I woke up with a very foggy London and I'm here sitting in my daughter's room with a hot green tea ready to start talking about today's episode and today's topic is about the relationship between children's sleep and their emotional well-being but I first wanted to to let you know that this recording process has been very very organic very natural and um, you'll probably hear things related with with the audio but remember that I'm a beginner and that I'm learning so many things at the same time so um, I guess from a technical point of view this was like a pilot episode but I have to say that I feel very proud of my guest and very proud of of the outcome of this of this episode I wanted to talk about sleep because when we talk about children's happiness I think sleep is one of the most important things we have to take into consideration. When our babies are born, sleep is such a hot topic. It seems like society labels babies or kids as good or bad depending on how they sleep. So it's very common to hear from people things like Oh, he's such a good baby. He sleeps so well. And I think that's unfair. I also think that sometimes society measures how good parents we are based on how well our babies or our kids are sleeping. And this is not necessarily true. This brings frustrations to parents and it's very important to to remember that everybody has their own process and as my guest said sleep is something that doesn't come naturally the same way to everybody so my guest she's a very special person to me and if there's somebody who can talk about sleep and happiness that's her. I met her when I was around 11 years old and since I met her we became best friends and I'm happy to say that this conversation um, helped me to confirm once again the reasons why we have been so close since we met and it is because we see life through the same lenses and we share similar views and similar opinions and now that we are moms we also share similar motherhood and parenting approaches and styles her name is Maria Macalvina and she's a pediatric sleep consultant she works with families worldwide and she gives parents the tools they need to teach their child to sleep 
through the night independently. When she became a mom, she struggled because it was so hard for her to get her baby to sleep. So in that moment, she discovered that there were so many things parents who go through the same situation don't know. And she decided to help other families. We talked about sleep training and about letting or not letting our babies cry until they fall asleep. We also chatted about co-sleeping and the positive or negative impact of co-sleeping in our children's mental health. Maria also explained how sleep problems can affect our children's happiness, our children's emotional development. And finally, we shared some thoughts regarding her approach, which is based on planning a sleep training, taking into consideration the parents' thoughts, the parents' needs, and the parents' fears. How amazing is that? I just love that. So I hope you enjoyed this episode, and huge thanks to Dave Delgado for creating this beautiful music that I absolutely adore. Thank you, Dave. So, let's roll! finally here. Hello, Maria. How are you? Hi, Mary. Good. How are you? <laughs> Fine. Thank you. I'm going to call you Mari because I feel so weird calling you Maria. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No one calls me Maria. No one calls me Maria. Old... No, it's very weird. Well, here in London, everybody calls me Maria. It's, it's you know, <laughs> I, I don't like it at all, but I mean, what can you do? <laughs> yeah, I, I let uh, doctor's offices and strangers like, okay, it's <laughs> easier for you to call me Maria. <laughs> well, I'm very happy because you are my first guest. Thank and you. <laughs> I was remembering my previous episode and I said that I was going to have spectacular and amazing people with me. <laughs> so you are, <laughs> you are my Thank first you for that. amazing and spectacular person. <laughs> Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, well, before we start talking about this correlation between children's sleep and um, emo their emotional well-being, I would love to hear more about you and how did you start this path and um, why this topic is so important to you? Yes. Uh, so I became a mother uh, three years ago and I struggled with my son to get him to sleep. And it was a daily struggle with him, like nothing worked. And I was overtired. He was overtired. We, we didn't know what to do and what we were doing wrong. And 
suddenly we heard about sleep consultants that help families get their children to sleep. And we hired someone and it was life-changing for us. Suddenly he was sleeping through the night. He was napping in his crib, not in my arms, which was really hard for me to do because I was the only one who was able to set him in this weird position that he wanted to sleep on my belly. Mm. And I had to sit on the couch and he, I had to sit there for two hours, an hour, barely, sometimes. And once I realized that that was not right, that he could sleep in his bed on his own without any, any help from me, that changed our lives and changed our dynamic and everything. So that opened my eyes in a way that I felt like there was a misconception about how children sleep and how they're supposed to sleep and how many hours a day they have to sleep and a lot of things that parents don't know and even if you read it in books you don't know what what to do when you have a problem like this uh, or a situation like this so that made me realize that there's a path for me here and that I could teach families and help them with this type of situation like I struggled before. Well, I I have to be honest. I didn't know that sleep consultants really existed. Mm-hmm. Did you know about that? No, no. We heard <laughs> through a friend too. Uh, like, what is that? And she told us that um, apparently from a trip or something to Europe, their kid started sleeping bad and jet lag and all these things affected his sleep. So they hired someone. And we didn't hire the same person, but we did our own research. And there's a lot of consultants all over the world helping families. And, you know, you just have to pick the right person for you and who accommodates your needs and what you think and your fears because... Sleep training has a um, really bad reputation. So, and I was a little skeptical about that, all the crying and, and all that. But you just have to find the right person and the right technique that works for you and your family. I think that's very important, what you're saying. And I totally resonate with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because obviously when I, when I hear about sleep consultants, the first thing that comes to my mind is, you know, this person that is going to tell me that I have to leave my baby crying alone in his or her room. (laughs) Yes. So it's very scary, you know? Yes. And that's, that's really the first thing that I wanted to ask you because when we, when we become parents and I think, you know, after six or seven or eight months or so, we start deciding whether we're going to sleep train our babies or not. And if if we do decide to sleep train them, which method is going to be the best for them? And I think the big question, <laughs> I think <laughs> the big question we ask ourselves is, should I let my baby cry or not? Yes, yes, definitely. I mean, yes, yes, because we are concerned about the emotional consequences about this in our babies and, of course, in the family. But 
you know, basically uh, and mainly in our babies. So what can you tell me about this? Yeah, so there, there's definitely a difference in opinion here. You know, if you if you go to Ferber's book, uh, crying is just a means to an end. If you go to uh, Elizabeth Pantley's book, you will feel so guilty about letting your child cry. You know, I think at the end of the day, it's a decision that you have to make as a family and what works mm-hmm. best for you. You know, um, I know crying is hard. It's uh, because change is hard and they cry because you're changing things for them. Literally, everything that they've been doing their whole life is being changed and they're not liking it. They're protesting that change and it's hard. And, you know, I always prepare my clients because they will be crying. There will be because they're, they're human beings. They're not that different from us. And just think about when you... When you're doing something that you you don't want to do, you 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 complain about it. You talk to your friend about it and just complain. Children cry, so it it's the same way they they complain about it and they want things to stay the same. So you have to ask yourself here, what's most important? Yes, they're protesting the change. It's hard to listen, but they need to become self-soothing sleepers if you want them, you know, to. To sleep better if you feel like yes you want this change but um there's different ways to help them sleep better without shutting the door and leaving mm-hmm. them all mm-hmm. night they're crying you know there's uh there's a lot of approaches and that includes the parents trying to calm their baby and s- soothing them help them to go through the night and to get them to fall asleep. It doesn't have to be this, it doesn't have to be black and white. It doesn't have to be like either you cry or you don't, you know, it's, they're going to be crying. Yes. Because again, you are changing things, but there are different ways to do it. And I think when you hire someone, you have to feel connected to the person and understand by this person and listen, you know, so listen to what the trainer has to say and the consultant has to be able to listen what you want and what you fear about this, Mm -hmm. you know, and totally create a plan together, you know, because it's not only this kid is eight months old and he should be sleeping this amount of hours a night and this amount of hours during the day. And that's it. There's a lot that, um, that involves creating a sleep plan for a family. Mm-hmm. It's what the parents want, what they fear, how they sleep, because th- that gives you an idea how the baby is going to sleep. Are they a morning person? Are they night owls? Like my child, uh, my first, he he's a morning person. He transitioned from his naps really early, in all three naps, um, in an early age. And uh, he used to wake, he wakes up super early every day. Mm-hmm. And that's how he is. He sleeps his good amount of hours during the day total, but he's just likes to wake up early. And my husband is like that. And I consider myself like that too. I don't take naps during the day. My husband doesn't take naps during the day. And that affects how your baby is going to be too. So those things you have to take in consider. So when you're creating a plan and when you hire someone to help you, because cried out is not the answer either, but there are where there are definitely ways to get your child to sleep without 
any props and without, you know, such a strict um, plan, you know? I absolutely love what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> and I totally agree with that. I loved um, what you said that it doesn't have to be black and or white, you know? Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, yes, and that's so important. Uh, because, yes, we have this idea that sleep training involves uh, crying. It involves babies crying until they fall asleep alone in their rooms without the help of the parents or caregivers. And that's, you know, that may be not so scary for some parents, but it definitely is, is scary for, for, for many of us, including me. Yes, you don't you don't like to hear your child cry. You know, you never want to do. Mm -hmm. You never want to go through that. You know, but you know, it does involve some crying because again, yeah, you're changing everything and you can't sugarcoat it. I can't promise you. No, it's going to be perfect and everything's going to be beautiful and no. like the the first night is going to be the hardest because it's different. You know, everything you, you, if you're coming to me because you are desperate and because you want, you know, something is not working in your family. So, um, I, I always tell them, I always put, uh, put the worst case scenario and sometimes children respond better, you know, and I always, always also say it's not going to be forever. You'll notice a change within like a day that then the cry is less and less and less until they don't cry at all. So it's it's just about how you respond to them and how you create a good plan for the family to make them feel better about what they're doing. But at the end of the day, it's just, it's a family decision. You have to outweigh what's better for you. Of course. You know, it's uh, sleep, depri sleep deprived or, you know, better night's sleep. So... I think uh, when you know that it's something that's not working for you and you want help and you hire someone to help you and then you start seeing results. And I always ask this to my clients at the end, like, how do you feel? Mm -hmm. How do you feel that this has changed? How do you notice your child during the day better? better better like this is the best thing I've ever done and it was hard yes but it was worth it or my son or my daughter has changed like it's happier and they are acting better during the day so mm -hmm. because they're sleeping better than they're overtired and they're cranky so for them it's it's the best thing they've ever done yeah. but you have to be sure that that's what you want too yes and I think what you just have said uh it's you know that's that's key uh i think sleep is the most important or one of the most important factors in a child's happiness definitely definitely so if you know if something is not working and you decide to to find some help with a sleep consultant or by yourself obviously there's going to be Yes, I understand what you're saying. The baby's going to cry. It doesn't have to be traumatic. Yes. Yes, it's going the the baby's going to cry because it's a transition and babies do cry with transitions, obviously, with things mm -hmm. that they don't expect. 
but at the end the outcome is going to be positive for the baby and for the family yes yes yeah. and you just have to be sure that that's what you want because some people and I've, I've learned that uh when talking to other families like not my child wakes up in the middle of the night and they learn how to live with it and that's like normal for them and mm. they're happy you know and then because then I introduced myself and I said that I'm a consultant and they're like yeah okay um you know they don't seem to care that much either so that's what I'm saying you have to be sure of what you want I yes. knew that there was something wrong and that I could not go keep doing this the fact that I couldn't go to the store mm. when my child was during his nap time, even if my husband wasn't home and leaving with him because I, he wanted to sleep on my lap. And you mm. uh, had to sit on the couch. I, I remember one time I had to, I sat on the couch, I put him to sleep and I said, okay, I, we did this weird transition from my lap to his. And then 20 minutes later, I left the house and then he called me like he woke up and he's like unconsolable. Yes. I'm like, I don't know how to put him down. No, you, you can't leave like that. No, no. no and no. my husband felt useless too. Mm -hmm. I was of breastfeeding course. and he wasn't connecting with my son. I think that was one of the most positive things about it too. After we did the training, um, their relationship changed too. Wow. He was, he, my son was more independent and then he, anyone could put him down. It was not on just me. And that was something that, yeah, at first you, you laugh. Oh, it's so nice. He just wants me. And then it's like, I need a break, yeah. you know, yeah. and I need someone to step in and help me like just putting him down. And it was such a struggle. And we tried every night. My husband tried every night to put him down. I we put my milk in a bottle and he would feed him and he was just cried and cried unconsolable. And he just wanted me as soon as I grabbed him, he would stop crying. And then he just wanted to sleep in my arms. So, um, I, I got to a point that, okay, I can't keep doing this. We need help. Of course. And it was, it was, it, it was hard, but it was worth it. Yes. And yes, I totally get what you're saying um it depends on the needs of each family and it you know this brings me to another controversial point and this is co-sleeping <laughs> because yes. um, there seems to be two sides to the story people that support co-sleeping and people that don't support co-sleeping yes yes i uh well my personal experience um I was never a fan of co-sleeping um, because I, I thought I was never going to be comfortable, you know, um, having my kid in between us. And it would make me nervous having him there and feeling like I'm my, I don't move, but my husband does when he sleeps. So like rolling and like moving him a little bit and moving. I don't know. It's just, it just freaked me out. And then my doctor, no doctor will recommend that either, especially no. at the beginning of their life. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, ideally, baby should sleep in your, in your room with you. Yes. But alone in his crib, like nothing in the crib, just a mattress, a flat surface and hard surface and either swaddled or with a sleep sack. That's uh, what's going to 
decrease the risk of sudden infant death syndrome. Mm-hmm. And I used to live in Ohio, and Ohio has the highest rates of SIDS in the United States. Wow. And they were very strict, very strict with us. They don't even allow, they don't even sell uh, bumpers on the cribs mm-hmm. because they can suffocate the, the kid when they roll and if they get like too close to it. So I learned a lot about SIDS in Ohio while being there. And also it's, you know, a pediatrician will never recommend that. And they can sleep fine next to you mm-hmm. at least six months. They recommend up to a year. Um, it's just, it's not safe being, you, they can be trapped and suffocate in, in the bed. Like let's say someone rolls and, um, accidentally and covers the baby's nose or the baby's mouth you know they're so small and they don't know they don't can't move and they can't uncover themselves yes, of course. it's so easy it's it's, it's dangerous mm-hmm. yes so uh, once they're older it's a little different but yes. once they're older they move so much too like mm-hmm. they roll and i see my my kids through the camera they go from one corner to the other and then the other and then the other and I just imagine sleeping them all together. It will be a little uncomfortable, but people do it, and they swear by I do it. it. And... <laughs> so I don't feel guilty. <laughs> I mean, no, when they're toddlers, it's a little different, you it's know. Five years old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but and I did real. it with my mom as well. So. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean. Yeah. Yeah. But talking about safe co-sleeping uh i've heard i don't know if, if this is true um and you know i honestly think that this is a little bit weird but uh i've read about um specialists saying that co-sleeping is linked with long-term mental health issues in children when they grow up and I think that maybe this has to be with, you know, their independence and, you know, their skills uh, regarding self-soothing and, you know, sleeping yes. independently. I mean, what's your opinion on this? Is this true or not? I don't think there's um, uh, enough science, mm-hmm. you know, evidence that can outweigh one from the other, you know. Um some people again it's like sleep training they say like they can harm your relationship there's no evidence of Mm -hmm. that either uh that you know studies have shown that um they some with some people that have done training and they check on them three to five years later and their relationship hasn't changed and in my opinion it's if, if anything it changed for the better with my whole family dynamic. And I think it's the same with co-sleeping. I don't think because you slept with your child Mm -hmm. in bed for several months, it's going to improve your relationship in the future. Mm -hmm. You know, Uh, there are ways to connect with your child where they are, when when they're babies, you know, skin to skin contact, you cuddle with them, you, you talk to them. I think there's so many other ways to do it. I don't think, co-sleeping will create that impact in their lives, that big of an impact uh, from such a young age to change how they're going to be or 
dictate how they're going to be in the future, you know? So, Mari, I would like to to talk about sleep problems and good sleeping because the way I see it, these are concepts that can vary from house to house and even across cultures. So, for instance, what I may consider as a sleep problem may not be considered as such by other person and vice versa. So I guess the question here is because you as a pediatric sleep consultant, you know this better than I do. Is there such a thing as sleep problems and how these sleep problems can affect our children's emotional well-being? Yes. Uh, well, there's definitely something called sleep problems, uh, like insomnia or um, night terrors or uh, sleepwalking, sleep talking. Those are problems that affect uh, a child's sleep. Uh, sleep plays a crucial role in the development of kids, you know. It affects, uh, has a direct effect on happiness and attention and mood and it's very important that we we get them enough sleep and good sleep for them so they can practice and get better during the day so it's very important for their immune system to increase their energy to improve their memory because they're constantly learning right so uh, those are considered problems like When you when we talk about co-sleeping and uh, sleeping all together, if that's a problem or not, that's very relative because some families can do it and they're all happy and, you know, functioning well. But if you come to me with a problem about it and I, I start asking you questions about what happens in the middle of the night, do you have night wakings or split nights? Uh, then yes, that becomes a problem because you're coming to me and you're telling me that you're not getting enough sleep or your child's not getting enough sleep because some things are not working well for you. But um, but yes, uh, so sleep problems can be can affect their child, can affect their happiness, can affect how they respond to a day-to-day -day activity. So um, it's, I think... Our job is to get them to sleep better and to fix these problems. But you have to know what it's not working for you. You know, what's considered to you a problem. And you, you talk about night terrors and, night, and nightmares. What's the difference between both of them? Okay, so um, nightmares... Um, usually happens more in like toddlers and it, it can happen to us too as an adult. The difference with night terrors is that night terrors are, there's, there's several differences, and it's easy to identify which one is which. Um, nightmares, they are vivid dreams and you, when you wake up, you still remember part of that dream. With the night terrors, you, you see Uh, that, that you probably hear that your child screams like really frightened and scared and then you go there and might be sitting on the bed and might look awake but he's still sleeping 
and usually happens at the beginning of the sleep, like two, three hours when they fall after they fall asleep. And they they don't remember anything the next day. Nothing. So the best thing that you could do is not to wake them up, not to worry. It mm-hmm. usually goes away within ten minutes and they just, just put them lie them back down and they go back to sleep. Nightmares usually happen during REM sleep. It's in the middle of the night mm-hmm. when um they uh they have a bad dream and they might wake up and they remember every single bit of it and they might wake remember the next day usually with um that's the main difference with them uh night night terrors usually happen in children uh young children and it's really associated to sleep deprivation sleep uh, Mm -hmm. yes because their minds are like still like very active before they go to sleep and um they tend to wake up and usually they're overtired so usually it goes away on its own and just doing a sleep hygiene and into your routine with your child and getting him to sleep better and longer usually fixes but uh, it's nothing too worrisome if it happens every day for several days or weeks. Maybe you should go and see a specialist. But most of the times, it goes away on its own once the kids start sleeping better. I feel that this is one of the topics that during our children's early years causes more anxiety and judgment so I really think that we have to bear in mind that motherhood is a very personal journey and our children's sleep is a very personal journey as well and we as moms we have to be confident and really understand know and embrace our children's needs and specifically our children's sleep needs and our family's needs in order to make the best decisions. And Maria, I say this, that we have to be, we have to be very confident uh, because especially when we are first moms, when, when we become moms, it, it, it's really easy to be, to feel overwhelmed. And we tend to make decisions based on what everybody else is doing or based on society's expectations and we don't have to pay attention to that we have to we have to bear in mind that everybody has their own process and that we we have our own context so for instance uh, we have to take into account if we are single moms if we are um, working moms, if we have other children, if I think even we have to take into, into account even our own personalities and our children's personalities. And even if we are um, going through some health issue or our children are going through some health issue or if we are suffering from postpartum depression, Right. What do you think about that? Yeah. Um, so everyone, especially like you said, when we become first mothers, we get unsolicited opinion from everyone. 
and all the information, especially the information that we have now available online, can be a little overwhelming too. Mm. And you don't know what to do. You don't know until you try. And then you realize that this is what works for me. And what worked for you doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to work for me. And mm. once you have more than one kid too, what worked for my first kid, it doesn't mean that it's going to work for my second. Mm-hmm. So every person's different. And with sleep, uh, you have to understand that it doesn't naturally come the same way for everyone. You can be sleepy head and another person can be a, mor- a morning person, but it doesn't mean that you are. So you just have to understand and see each person as an individual and, um, you know, adapt as they, whatever they need at the moment. So, yeah, it's very important to, to understand that and to figure that out. But um, no one is going to know better than the mom and the parent, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, 100% agree with that. So, Mari, we are coming to, to the end. And I, I would <laughs> love to, to ask you two quick questions. Okay. The first one is, what is your happiest child, childhood memory? And the second one is, what is a happy childhood for you? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> to go back to my past, I, I think, and this is something that I, I always now like think about it, especially given that I don't live in my country anymore where I was born. I always go back to the holidays. Uh, most of my family lives in a different state. And we always travel to my grandparents' house and we will always gather there for New Year's Eve and Christmas. And, you know, 20 years ago, there was no social media. There were no phones or like with all the technology that we can find right now, we would just gather and talk and play and, you know, play games and just have fun. And now the situation is different. 20 years later, everyone is all spread out around the world. And it's hard to go back to those days. And mm-hmm. we always think about those. And, you know, it, it was so different um, and so much fun that, you know, it's a little sad, too, because you don't know when that's going to happen again. But. I always look back and think of all my aunts and uncles and cousins. We're a big, big family, too. And, you know, it's always nice to have all those memories and go back to those days. Yes. I understand that. I, I feel the same. Feel, I feel the same. Where, well, we come from the same country. And, and, yes, I totally resonate with you. And I think family is is key to 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 have a, a happy childhood and, and, and happy childhood memories. So talking about that, what is a happy childhood for you? I was um, now thinking about it. Like, what do I think a happy childhood could be? You know, and in my opinion, you know, happiness, it's kind of a complicated word you know it's a lot of things that can gather 
just one word can make someone happy, you know, Mm -hmm. it could be, you know, physical health, well, physical being, um, it could be, uh, such a, a need like social connection, emotional stability, all of those mm-hmm. things can make you, or I think you need them to be happy. It's not just one thing. I think you need a good environment, stable environment around you where you grow mm-hmm. up to make you happy. You need to be um, all those things together, healthy. You need to be in contact with other people, especially around these days. You realize how important it is to be um connecting with people and talking to someone else than just the members of your family of your immediate family at home all those things you need them to be happy so i think when you grow when when you have kids and you you, you want the best for them and you want them to be happy and you try to do as many things as possible. You, um, if you see that, you know, your girl likes ballet, you sign her up for ballet classes and you take her to the movies and you take her shopping or cooking or all these things to just to make her happy. And all those things, I think they're very, very important for, um, for our children to grow up in a happy childhood, you know? Beautiful. I love that, Mari. <laughs> Thank <laughs> so, you. <laughs> before we go, um, I would like to know where can people or how can people contact you if, if they need any help or advice from you? Yes. Yeah, so I'm in social media. I'm on Instagram uh, at harmony underscore sleep consultant. And I'm on Facebook, too, at Harmony Sleep Consultant. And I also have a website, uh, www.harmonysleepconsulting.com. There's also my email address. All the information is both on both social medias and uh, on my website, too. There's also um, a Calendly on my website where you can book a 15-minute discovery call. It's just a 15-minute free conversation with me, just talking about what your problem is and what your concerns are. And I explain a little bit about what I do and how I can help you. Yes, and I think it's it's important to, to say that Mari speaks English, obviously, but she also speaks Spanish. So... Yeah, so the website is... Um, in both English and Spanish. Mm-hmm. So all the information, all the packages, I have some blogs there some uh, with some articles in there too. Uh, and my philosophy and how I work, everything is in there. You can just, uh, there's a, um, an ES with the, with the flag there. So you can just click in there and the, the website will tra- automatically translate. Perfect. Thank you very much, Mari. I have to say that I have lots of happy memories with you. Yes. Um, yes, when we were little girls having fun at school. Oh, yeah. How can you forget? <laughs> yes, yes. We go way so, back. Yes. Beautiful, beautiful moments. Um, thank you, Mari, for, for being here with me. And I think I'm going to... Um, 
I'm gonna be with you again soon in another episode uh, because there are many other questions that I would like to to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. I would love to come again and yes. talk a little bit more about sleep. Thank you, Mari. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, Mari, and thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. If you found this episode helpful and you know a friend who would benefit from it, please share it. Or if you liked it and you would like to make any comments about it, you could also leave a review or a rating. So once again, thank you very much for listening and I guess I'll see you soon. Bye.